Coden? Lomac? <laughs> Are we talking about Lomac in here? Start your sublight engines. It's time for RuPaul's Pod Race, a queer Star Wars podcast. Welcome to our High Republic Phase 1 Roundup episode. This episode will contain spoilers for everything in the entire High Republic so far, so be warned. My name is Claudia. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-I-A says. My High Republic gender of the week is Manga Stellingios. Um, <laughs> sitting in a chair like a thought. Every time they draw that man in the edge of balance, I cannot stop thinking about it for two weeks. So I'm obsessed with him. My name is Jess. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on TikTok and Twitter at Kawaii Jessio. And my gender this week is running off into the woods like Komek Vitus. My name is Noah. My pronouns are he, him. You can find me on social media at the Jewish Jedi. And my gender this week is, oh no, the starlight beacon fell on its taint. Hi, my name is Mel. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on social media at Melvin Culpa and on TikTok at Grunkle Rex. My gender this week is getting leveled uh, because after this episode comes out, I am taking a social media hiatus uh, until April. So, teehee. That was a, an interesting way to announce your sabbatical. Yeah, I, I, where else the fuck am I supposed to say it? <laughs> My name is Ollie. I use any pronouns. You can find me on social media at Ollie Fresh. It's fresh with a PH. My gender this week is Elzar Man or Muppet. And the reason for that is that I feel like if the High Republic was going to be play by Muppets, like if they were going to make a Muppet adaptation of the High Republic, I do unfortunately feel like Elzar would have to be a human just because it would be so distressing to see a Muppet in his situation. I think everyone else I could be like, I could see Kermit doing that, but not Elzar. I agree. POV, he kills Muppet chances. <laughs> not to go back to what you just said, but I do need to unpack real quick because while I tend to agree with you that Elzar man would be a good the human person in a Muppet um, flick, I would like to suggest that Buriaga is not like a traditional Muppet. I, I do believe just him would be a oh, good. Yeah. That's powerful. I don't disagree. I'm I'm open to interpretation. I, I am simply saying that maybe it's less that I don't, it's less that I couldn't see a Muppet playing the role that Elzar Man plays and more that I would be haunted by it. Consider Stellan Geos is the only human, and then we do have to watch Elzar Man the Muppet kill someone. And I think that'd be pretty wild. I mean, so here's, I don't, I think that's funny, but my only problem is I think Kermit would be a perfect, would be perfect as Stellan. No, points have been made. It's like easy being green, but it's Stellan Geos. That's very powerful. Yeah. May I propose Martian Rowe is the only living human in the the non-Muppet universe? Perhaps Lorna D. Actually, okay, wait, hear me out on this. Marshawn being the only human is actually very powerful. I love, hear me out did you this. just what call is... him Marshawn? Yeah, <laughs> I Mar- said Marshawn. Marshawn. <laughs> Hello, it is me, Marshawn Rowe. Pack it up, Loden. <laughs> Forgive my girl, Loden Greatstorm. Anyway, um, alternatively. They did into the fucking wind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling sexy and free. <laughs> Like ashes rain. No, this is just You're like done. a pretty little liars recap video. You're done. 
later on, we're going to get into some uh, listener questions. But one of the listener questions is actually how we wanted to start off today um, from at me be them 4815, which is why should I read these books? And I know we've gotten into this a little bit in our last full High Republic episode. Um, but for those listening um, who might have tuned in and maybe haven't read all of them or anything, um, why should people read these books? I think that you should read the High Republic um, because it, for me, it's the most interesting part of Star Wars. Um, I think that it is so removed from the rest of the Skywalker saga or the Skywalker saga in general, not the rest of it, that it like it just like totally puts the universe in something of a different perspective. Um, I like the little the little breadcrumbs that are being spread through the story of like, we will unpack this later in A New Hope or The Rise of Skywalker. But that's a secret for later, and none of these characters will be alive to see it, except for maybe like I don't know, Yarl. Not Yarl. He I mean, canonically died. not. <laughs> yeah, he does unfortunately make it. R.I.P. Fly High Angel, you will be missed. His neck looked crazy in Eye of the Storm too, like crazy. There's a shot of him like peering over the corner of one of the panels, and it, I do think about him all the time now, just sort of like, hey, like crawling over a bookshelf of some kind. Side note. Do you guys think he would slither places? No, we've seen him walk. He has feet. Okay, I'm not saying... No, 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 no. My proposal is now that he cannot walk. It's that... Do you think maybe he chooses not to occasionally... No, 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 no. Because what you are suggesting is Yariel Poof is doing, like, the worm on the ground. And no. (laughs) Yeah. Yariel Poof is like, I've got to bust down right now. I think he'd slither more like uh, like a desert sand snake, like sort of like side to side and just like sort of go across the floor. Okay, so you have <laughs> proposed like rattlesnake Yariel Poof. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he gyrates his head like a tail. <laughs> Anyways, I think people should read The High Republic because I think it's the most Star Wars-y. Th- I know Mal almost kind of just said the exact opposite of what I'm about to say, but like it is... It- even though like none of the characters you know are here or whatever, it is the most Star Warsy thing that they could have put out. Like, yes, it is different, whatever, but it's like if you want if you want different shit in space, you can read any other type of science fiction. It's out there for you. Um, and sometimes people are like, I want this in Star Wars. I want that in Star Wars, and I'm like, that's great, and that. I love it. However, in Star Wars, I am here for for the 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 voom voom of the the Jedi and the the lightsaber, and they do that is what this is about. And they are like, yeah, you're here for that magic, and that's why you're, it's the most Star Warsy as it can get. And it kind of reminds you why you like it, whoever the characters are, um, and why it's magical. Um, and it, it kind of reinforces for you why it's magical no matter what characters you're playing with. If you like the world of Star Wars and like what Star Wars specifically is different to other things, you know, if you want hard science fiction, go somewhere else. <laughs> What's nice is that it's refreshing because we get to see an entirely different world. I mean, it's the same world, as the rest of Star Wars, but it feels a lot different and it feels a lot more, it feels lived in in a different way. Um, But I think that it also really embodies the idea of what Star Wars is, like Claudia was saying. Like there are a lot of moments where while we don't have a lot of the, we don't have any of the same characters save like Yoda and our bestie Ariel Poof, but we still get 
a lot of the overarching themes. Like there is a really strong theme of like having hope and having faith and connections with those around you while not trying to, you know, possess them and not control other people. Um, as well as like the concept of like, you know, obviously light versus dark and what does it mean to be a part of an order of something bigger than yourself? There's all that stuff. So the reason that people like Star Wars is present without a lot of the baggage that comes with the time periods that we know. I would also say um, the thing about this section of Star Wars and, and the fact that the medium they've chosen to do it in is books is that you spend a significantly more amount of time with all the characters. So they actually feel developed, um, hot take incoming. I feel that much of Star Wars character development is actually just extrapolation on the part of people who like the characters in question. Uh, and as a result, a lot of them are underdeveloped in the media that they're actually like a part of, whereas the higher public doesn't really face that problem because there's so much time spent with each individual. And like the setting is cool. It's new. It's a fun time. Uh, it's not just for white people against the world, which is also nice. It's very Yas and Slay to me. I think for people who liked the Clone Wars and that it was like, I got to dig in deep to one era or I got to spend time with a certain number of char like, characters or like, when you think about like, oh, why is Ahsoka some everybody's favorite character? I'm like, because you get to spend a lot of time with her, like more than Luke Skywalker or whatever, then you're going to like the High Republic. Also, I think if you uh, if you like the older public for that same reason, um, you know, it's a totally different time period, but you get to spend a lot of time with it and explore out and, and you know, spend some time with the characters, especially because you're playing in a game with them for so long, whatever. I think you're going to like this too for the same reason. Because this is like these the stories being told for like the high republic stuff is like very ensemble like heavy where it's not just like oh here's the main character and their besties who sometimes appear it's like really focuses on like all these characters where it switches off between like oh here's this person's pov or here's this person's pov one's a very interesting way to tell a story and then two there is like a lot of characters to pick from to be like oh yeah I really vibe with this person or I really like this character and it isn't all just no offense to the the Skywalker trilogies but it isn't just like I am your um, average white person and the hero there is a lot of diversity in the High Republic I feel like that's also why a lot of people like it too. It's because you can find a character that's like, oh, that's just like me. And it's also, there's lots of new fun alien characters too, which we didn't really get a lot of focus on like the cool epic aliens before, because again, the main characters were always white people. But, and not only are they like diverse because they're like people who are not white and there's also people who are not human, but it's also like, there's um, canonical queer people in the High Republic, so we we win LGBT. Let's let's go. Um, I completely agree with you, Jess. I think that like, they, also the authors are not like afraid to pull punches and like talk about real shit, and it just like I don't know, it feels meaningful um, and like in in universe. Not only does it have like repercussions for then and now, um, but like in the future. Um, and I really appreciate that. It, it was funny you said that, like, yeah, the Skywalker saga is, like, save for, like, Finn and Poe in the sequels, all white people. I find it very funny because I was thinking about, okay, like, what High Republic characters, like, do I really, like, relate and connect to? 
um, Honesty Weft is one of my glove shitters of this se- of this book series. He has been in two books now. He is uh, fully like 13 years old and he's a little white boy. I, you, you could not have told me in a million years that like that character would have spoken to me. Um, having, you know, consumed the rest of Star Wars, I've been like, no, fuck you, I've not really ever related to any of the main characters of the, uh, the other trilogies besides, like, these, like, feelings of, like, Obi-Wan, I guess, is relatable to some sense, even though I don't famously really give a shit about him. Um, yeah, it just, it is a, a really wild, wild west of relatable characters. This is for the Filoni fans out there who love seeing Order 66 8 million times, but if you read The High Republic and then just think about Order 66 or, like, watch it again, it hurts so much more. (laughs) Reading these books, you're like, oh, oh no, this is, somehow, it's gotten more sad. (laughs) Um, If you like the, the feeling of being hurt and sad from Order 66, there's a lot of being hurt and sad in the High Republic also, especially with um, that that final wave for phase one. It's a whole lot of, wow, now I am sad. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Luminous authors, for doing that to us. That is something that I kind of want to talk about. If we move away a little bit like from our pitch, one thing that I kind of want to talk about is we did get early review copies of The Fallen Star. Um, at least I did. I got a physical copy. I think I was the first one of our squad to get to get it. I got it on Christmas Eve when I got home from work. I read the first half and then I read the second half on Christmas when I would, had like just gotten home from visiting family. And I tell you, I was a mess. I was a hot mess and I couldn't say anything to anyone because the book was not out and no one else I knew had finished it. So I had to sit there knowing in my heart that we had lost every we had lost all of my special little guys because i have famously said my like some of my top 3 high republic characters before the fallen star were orla nib and stellan and we lost all of those bitches in that book i was having a horrible time and Ollie i couldn't Grayson. say anything fuck ollie in particular <laughs> no literally she said she said you know what would be really funny you know whose day i'm going to ruin one of the reason, one of the reasons that Noah and Jess did find out, they found out the what happened at the end of the book before the book came out because we decided to watch Encanto together. And at the end, when Mirabella is like a perfect constellation, like she's talking about constellations, I fully did just start sobbing yeah, because Ollie I was thinking and, about Stella. And Mel were like crying, and me and Noah were just like, "Wow, this is." A- this is a fun movie. Yeah. I- also, I had COVID at this point, so I was literally <laughs> half dead and had like I think I had a fever of like 103 while this movie was happening. Yeah. And Ollie was like, "Sorry, I'm emotional." And I was like, "Can you just like Jess and I were like, can you just tell us what happens in this book like right now?" And then we sat there while they talked at us with occasional interruptions from Mel of like, "Here's the plot of the Fallen Star." Yeah. So I I chose to not read it because I usually read them as audiobooks, and we hadn't gotten the audiobook one yet, but also we only had a certain number of um, the hard copies, and I didn't want to know. And I also waited to watch Encanto, and I watched it with my family. So you guys, I had not only not seen Encanto, but I also hadn't read The Fallen Star, and you guys were constantly talking about Encanto. 
and I felt like I was living on another planet for like <laughs> two weeks. And I was like, what the fuck are you people talking about? So when I finally did, and then you guys were like, oh yeah, and the lyrics and whatever. And then I got the last scene in Encanto, like the lyrics connect to um, the fallen star. I had like a mental breakdown. <laughs> I had a delayed mental breakdown. Um, and that is when I stayed up for like three days straight making like a 15 hour long fallen star playlist. I generally am the person in this group who reads everything last. Uh, and as a result, what I will do is I will basically live text what's what I'm reading to the group at large. Uh, doing that with Midnight Horizon, I believe I was only texting Mel for a time and then I was like, okay, everyone else has read it. However, I would literally just text them in all caps. I was like, what? <laughs> and I would keep reading for 20 minutes. I read half that book in like four days and then I got to the halfway point and I was like, I can't stop. And then I read it for the next uninterrupted several hours and finished it. And I was quite emotional. And I don't cry at books. I should, I should note that. However, read Silas getting knighted, something shifted. Something in the universe was irrevocably altered in that moment, and I can never return to it. I do think I was the last one to finish reading Midnight Horizon. I do fully remember a few weeks ago when I did finish, I was driving home listening to the audiobook at the end of Midnight Horizon, and I was fully having like a mental breakdown in my car at the end. I cry at lots of media, but I haven't cried at a book or a comic in a long time. The thing that actually made me cry was actually a comic, which I have been reading a lot of the comics because, like, while this was ha- while I was I was catching up on the entire High Republic to catch up with all of you guys, I was also trying to get through the entire like current Marvel, Star Wars, um, Vader, Afra, all of that run, so I would be caught up. And I was almost caught up, but I wasn't. To, there was an issue where in the preview, they were like, Luke Skywalker is going to meet Elder Man. And that was also Elder Man's first like visual appearance. Like His first visual appearance was in the main Star Wars run. It was not in the High Republic run. And Elder Man, I'm obsessed with him. And so I, I was like, huh, what? And this, this comic, and I believe one, it was the High Republic Adventures one. It was one with, with Lula and Zine that made people go insane. It came out right before that one horrible episode that we don't talk about of the Book of Boba Fett. So if you, it, we're, we're really taking you inside baseball right now. Um, that evening, the emotions of that evening was a roller coaster because we read that High Republic Adventures and then I read... There, it's the one issue, Star Wars number 20, which you can kind of read if you don't know what else is going on, um, where basically Luke, um, you know, he's, I believe this is between, at this point, this was between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. He is searching for, um, uh, he's searching for, you know, clues about the Jedi, whatever, whatever, and he gets a holocron or whatever of, of Yoda basically saying, hey, there's virgences in the Force in all these different places. And there's this one um, that basically is full of hallucinogenic mushrooms. It's kind of insane. But basically you go there and um, like if you've been there, like a, like a remnant of your memories stays there. So he doesn't actually meet Elzar, but he meets like whatever what Elzar was at the time that he arrived there and he has a conversation with Elzar man that it hit me at a time in my life that I needed to hear um I cried for three hours straight about like three panels in that one comic and I was like 
hmm, I'm forever changed as a person. The, the crux of it was basically Alzar being like, hey, you know, the Jedi are not the only game in town and you don't have to be a Jedi, but if you want to, we're all here for you. Yeah, it broke me as a person. And also, like, there were other people in the panels, whatever. Um, but yeah, I guess now we're all just talking about what parts of the High Republic, like, broke us emotionally. <laughs> um, well, but I was, was fine. One. I was never upset once. And I, but I also do, just very quickly, I do want to touch on Elzar Man. <laughs> Let me change how I said that. I want to talk about Elzar man let's make that abundantly clear we are talking Um, so I my thing is that I like other people to tell me how to think on media um because a lot of the times I will miss um like subtext or I won't be entirely sure if something was explicit or implied like I'm or, or if it was just like something that I thought or if it was actually what was there but Something that I got at the end of the book, I was like, somebody tell me how I'm supposed to feel about Elzar Man. Because <laughs> right now, he and I have got beef. I was I was genuinely like for a couple of days after I finished the Bowen Star, I was like, Elzar Man is the real enemy of the High Republic. I hate Elzar Man so much. Like I was like, I got mad just thinking about him. And I'd see on Twitter people talking about him before the, they had read the Bowen Star. And I was like, mm-hmm. but and I do want to also disclaimer. Obviously, now I've had time to digest it. I think that a lot of Elzar's purpose in the book is to be like, you know, I we see it talked about all the time, but, you know, recovery is not linear. He is going through something and he had a moment and that happens. And it's really interesting to see it adapted to, you know, to media because it's not a story that we see all the time, um, especially not in Star Wars. It's not a super common thing. Um, that being said, I do have a couple gripes with how that played out as a whole, but that's more with the book in general than it is with like just Elzar. I think my initial running to Elzar's defense was towards the fact that um, I did not like Chansey as a mother. And so, and I might have some baggage there and I was like, well, she made, she made weapons that, uh, that people use to kill a lot of people. And she was also kind of a manipulative ass of a mother so she can go fuck herself. <laughs> Oh my no. God, the, the Tony, the Tony Starkification of Chancey. Uh, the Howard Sorry. Starkification of Chancey Yarrow. I was kind of like, not to put on my own baggage, but oh, she passed away. No, but I think that's like the, to the credit of the Fallen Star is that like, and not just the Fallen Star, but like the High Republic in general, it creates these characters that are complicated and like it is... It is something to parse of like, yes, Chancey Yarrow was a really shitty mom. And to some degree, she felt bad about that. And like to what what she was willing to do to like repair that harm or like what she assumed how easily it would to repair that relationship, which it, knowing Sylvester Yarrow, she would have never. <laughs> she would have been like, fuck you, Chancey, I'm not doing this. But now like it's the it's the never having the chance to. That is something that Sylvester is going to have to carry with her. And like hopefully someday if we see her again, we'll get to unpack that. But I I just think that the, these books have really like created these very nuanced characters um or at least characters with like lots of layers. Um and that's something I really like. I'm curious to know what is everyone's favorite High Republic character? I can shoot from the hip. Um, mine's is Vern because I think she 
is probably I I said this on like my TikTok too. Well, not said, but I use that like one sound for my top seven like Jedi or whatever the fuck that was. But I think just overall, Vernestra Rowe is like now my favorite Star Wars character. <laughs> She's just so um put together. I don't know something about Vern hits differently than like everyone else. And I have said this a million times, and I'll continue to say it, but I think that if Ernestra Rowe was alive in the prequels, she she could have stopped him. She could have stopped Sheev Palpatine. She would have said, hey, Anakin, don't hang out with this, this creepy old man. It's weird that he wants to be your friend and you are a child. I, I know she's going through a lot, too, and I hope she's okay. Fucking High Republic authors, where is she? <laughs> but um, she got knighted at 15, which we love a girl boss, and then had a Padawan at 16. So she is just the the best little Jedi ever. Um, Vern, I wish I was you. You're you're cool and you're epic. And if anyone insults Vernestra Rowe, um, I question your your taste because she's the best. So true. Don't skip the middle grade books because then you don't get to have fun with the middle grade Rowe. books are actually like some of my favorite books. They are so good, genuinely. Especially um I know um Mission to Disaster just came out very recently, the print edition. It is one of my favorite middle grade books and probably in my top five high republic books. In general, it is so good. Justina, you are an icon. Test um, of Courage is kind of off the wall. So oh. good. Like, I, cause that's like one of the first, I was reading them in order. That was like the first one that I, like, when it's like, yeah, it was like uh, Light of the Jedi and then Into the Dark and then Test of Courage. And I was like, whoa, what's happening here with Test of Courage? Um, Justina Ireland, I'm obsessed with you. It touches on some like really heavy shit for a middle grade novel like some a lot of characters die and like it is Vern, Imri, Honesty and Avon unpacking that and Avon's like I'm fine because I'm a girl boss fuck you guys but Imri and Honesty have like this very challenging thing and it's very different for them because one of them is just a little boy whose dad passed away and one is Imri who is force sensitive and like he's like what if I like got into the dark side <laughs> no but that was why jess is correct that is why i think that Vern could could have stopped anakin becoming vader because she stopped emory and she stopped emory just being like stop that like me with my cat like get off the table enough I really do think that's what obi-wan needed to do on mustafar when anakin was like i brought peace he's like stop it hey get get your ass padme needed to do that Padme need to be like, hey, get in the ship right now. We cannot be having this conversation. Get in. It has just occurred to me that in in a test of courage, Vern does use her light whip and just like kind of beat Imri's ass. Obi-Wan was trying to do that, but he accidentally cut Anakin in half. So what we're saying- He read about it. He was like, us. I heard of a master who did this when her Padawan was turning to the dark side. And then he was like, ugh. This exactly, like, we've been saying all along, like, oh, Obi-Wan was probably a huge fan of Stellan Geos. Like, yeah, he would have studied Stellan and he would have st- studied Stellan's 
uh, Padawan Vern. Like, obviously, it it's all checks out. I've connected the dots. I am famously bad at ranking. I'm bad at like picking a favorite. Also, Noah has just texted me. I do want to read. This does have to do with my favorite character, but I'm going to have to do this. You don't no, have to I'm do putting this. Noah on blast really quick. And let's leave this in the pod. Don't take this out. He's just texted me. Pope Stellan Geo the third, not Geos, Geo. You're um, done. Which brings me to one of my favorite characters, which is Stellan Geos. Um, that being said, I'm sure everyone, everyone and their mother loves Stellan. So I'm not going to harp on him. I'm going to talk about. I'm just going to run through some of my favorite little guys. Orla, love a girl boss. The shining star of the fallen star is one Leox Jossi. The other character that I feel like maybe should be is my High Republic guy. My icon is one Torben book. Um, and I feel like I've given you sort of my list of that is my my A tier of characters but I'm going to talk about Torben Buck right now because I have found that I have a type and my type of favorite character is a really big guy on the team who's unexpectedly kind of smart, but also is just, he's just there and he's hanging out with the kids. And that's my, like, if there's a guy who does that, I'm like, that is my favorite character. And also he's gay. That is my thought about Torben Buck. He's also a baker. Like, excuse me. He's just some guy who's a baker Loves hanging out with kids. Is Torban Buck the Gara Zabarellios of the High Republic? Not I think clickbait. He's Zeb in a different font. Okay. He's Zeb in a Jedi font. That's what I, that's what I, he is. So so here's the thing. I think that Zeb is much more of a warrior. Like he is more he is more I would I don't want to say he's more disciplined, but he is a different type of person. I think the what I mean more is the role, the position that he fills in the ensemble, I think is very similar. And I think that is more my type. But what I really like about Torban Buck, I know I've been rambling, but one of the things that I also really like about him is that he sort of exemplifies the type of Jedi order that we have. Whereas in the prequel era, which is where we see the most of the Jedi as an order outside of the High Republic, is a lot of them have very similar skill sets. And a lot of them fill very similar roles because the Jedi Order is so diminished from what it was in the High Republic and its role in the galaxy is so different. What's cool about Torban Buck is that he is not a fighter. Like he can fight, but he is clearly like, oh, I don't want to do that. And that is, you know, happens with some Jedi like others. But what's cool about him is like, he is like, I am here to heal. I am here to take care of children. And I am here to throw some very fun events. And that's just like, it's, he's giving camp counselor. And that's not something that we see a lot from the Jedi, from other Jedi. Two things. One, the idea of Torben Buck and Zine Morala, because I'm assuming Zine is like the Ezra type in this situation, just based on like positionality within the story. Having to share a bunk bed is so funny. It's so funny. I I don't know if I'm going to keep this (gasps) in the podcast. Chopper? No, don't disrespect Chopper like this. No. Sage, Sage would kill you if if she heard those Sage, words. I'm so sorry. Who's Chopper then? Court. Oh, anyway, I was gonna say Court. What I was gonna say is that I do think the idea of <laughs> the idea of Torben demanding the top bunk is very funny to me. Anyways, what I was going to say also to that is that like this series also puts importance on the idea of healing and like just taking a minute. And Torben is like truly like in a great 
example of like, okay, guys, you have just witnessed a traumatic event, been part of like a traumatic event. Let's just run around Starlight Beacon real quick. That would be fun. I also, as someone who thrives off of um, tradition and off of routines, I very much enjoy Torbjorn Buck being like, yes, the galaxy is maybe just a little bit in shambles, but we are going to have our bake off right now. And you guys are going to be quiet while I tell you a story about me and my, my epic bestie, Cantum. And I just, I adore that. I think it's a very fun concept. I just, I love the idea of seeing this. This is something that I always want more from Star Wars is just everyday lives. A lot of people go to Star Wars because they want to see the war. They want to see the fighting. They want to see all that. And like the politics of it all, which is totally fine and a huge part of Star Wars and something I really enjoy too. But there's just something very special to me about seeing the day-to-day life. And I think that that is something that someone like Torbjorn Buck represents. I agree. I'm also just, I can't get over the concept of him having a bunk bed. Um, I don't know. If, I, I mean, I'm very here for the for the idea of him and Zine having to share a bunk bed. But I'm also into the concept because of who he is. Be, like, she's trying to go to bed and he's like, hey, do you need anything? Do you need, do you need like some water? And she's like, can I please go to bed? And he's like, okay. Are you sure you're good? <laughs> um, that said... My favorite little guys in the High Republic um, are probably Wreath Silas and Belzadofar, almost uncontested. I don't know what it is. Uh, I think it's just that I like their their narratives a lot and they're very fun characters, but I appreciate their stories of trying to find your place in the universe and then the answer being that there is not one definitive place for you to be. Um, I also, though, hold a special place in my heart for, not like favorite characters, but characters that I think about a lot are Cantum Sai and Comic Vitus, because as Jedi Masters, I'm like, you, nobody's doing it like you guys. Like, the fact that both of them take the time, like there's a scene in Midnight Horizon where Comac is having a hashtag traumatic moment and he literally turns to Wreath, who's like, can I help? And he's like, no, because you're a child and that's not fair. That's not how this relationship works. And I'm like, and you're an icon for doing that. Truly, deeply, you are like everything that I needed in my life. I believe that that's a Canon Jarrus kind of moment or Canon's like, yeah, I got a lot going on, but you're a child and I need to parent you. And the the Comac and the Comac to Kanan Pipeline is something that I think about quite a lot. It quite may possibly be. We may never know. Studies have not been done. Conclusive results have not been achieved or attained. Uh, however, I just, I like those, I like those little guys. And like, I, I do like the war part of Star Wars because I find action interesting. So like, I like, uh, Mel, are you okay? <laughs> I've just realized Comac runs into the woods. You know what Kanan does in the bad <laughs> touch? I just <laughs> 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 Oh my god. Comac Vitus, please be careful near fuel depots. I don't want you to die. Oh no. If there's if anyone shows up with turf bangs, we gotta keep them away from Comac. Um No, who in the higher public is having turf bangs quickly? Marciano Row. Next question. (laughs) No, okay, but in the fucking Eye of the Storm 2, he has like those little fucking micro bangs. No, that was Eye of the Storm 1. Wait, does this mean that Comac Vitus um that he has a boyfriend who's a Twi'lek? No, he's too busy kissing Loading Stella and Geos on the lips. <laughs> oh my god, was he doing a great star? Yeah. I said yeah. Comac was in love once. <laughs> they never said with who. Um, I think it might be the such matter of the of The, the Lomac to Canera pipeline. Discuss. Also, I do want to say, I fully believe in the Stella and Geos, Vernestra, Imri, to Mace, Depa, Kanan, Ezra. That is my ideal 
lineage. However, I think the idea of them being in the same lineage as Comac is just very funny because the idea of Kanan being like, Ezra, yes, like here is, this is the history of the Jedi Order. This was a master that is in my lineage and our lineage. And he's like, oh, cool. What did he do? He's like, well, he was gay. And then he quit the order for a little bit, but it's fine. Isn't that what Kanan Jarrus did? Yeah, he's bisexual and he quit the order for a little okay, bit. Okay, but no, he didn't quit. Fine. He did never he did quit he, the he order. Was, yeah, he never put his two weeks in. Okay, <laughs> to I, be fair, no, neither did no, neither did Comac. Comac said, "I'm walking off the job right now." <laughs> he didn't really have a choice. Yeah, Kanan, I would say quit the order is a strong. T- Kanan quit was the, order the order by sending the mortal plane. Yeah, no, Kanan quit the order in the sense that a gun was pulled on him and he ran. Yeah, I remember when idea. Crosshair fired Kanan from the Jedi order. <laughs> I do love Exit the idea of getting interview with fired. crosshair. <laughs> oh my god, I... nightmare scenario. Who are my little glove shadows? I want to just get this out of the way. I think everybody loves Bell Zetafar. I think a default of liking the High Republic is that you must love Bell Zetafar and that he occupies a certain part of your brain. So I wouldn't even put him in like favorite character because he's just like, I just love him very much. It's hard for me to pick. After Midnight Horizon, Cantum Psy took up so much of my brain space that I couldn't think about anybody else. But before Cantum, it was definitely Elzar Man. Um, I'm obsessed with that man. Um, for The Rising Storm, it was definitely still in Geos. But I, here's what I'm going to say. I am gay, so I think Ty Yorick, we have not discussed her enough. Where is she? Is she well? Is she all right? Um, She's the most fashionable. She's the hottest. She's the most powerful. There are several angles in comics of her just riding a dragon with a big ass purple lightsaber. I'm like, this is what Star Wars is about. It's about hot women on dragons with a big fucking purple sword. And I am obsessed with her. Other than her though, Avon Staros, I'm obsessed with your mind. I'm, I, every time I see her, every time she's in a book, I'm like, I love women in STEM. Um, (laughs) I've talked about this before that uh, Catalyst also happens to be one of my favorite Star Wars novels. So the pipeline of Avon Staros to the Death Star is not one I like to think about. Um, But it's real. Especially because if you think about, so Avon's mom is Gira, who is the senator from Hosnian Prime. And if you think about like the crystal research that Avon is interested in and probably will work on when she's older, that eventually will lead to the crystal research that Galen works on that eventually leads to the Death Star, which leads to the second Death Star, which then leads to Starkiller Base, which does destroy Hosnian Prime. Um, so, you know, it's like poetry rhymes, love. So, yeah, every time I'm reading one of those little funky little middle grade books talking about Avon Staros and she's like, hey, crystals, I'm like, Oh no, our table, it's broken. I have this um, very specific brand of Star Wars character that is, um, there's a Venn diagram, which is um, autistic characters who in some way are connected to the Death Star. Um. (laughs) The fact that there are like multiple is so much to Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So so I think it was like, there's like autistic characters that are connected to the Death Star or autistic characters who are, did I say that they were force users or whatever? So I, I truly do believe that Stellan Geos is, is autistic. I, I can find technical, I can find textual evidence. But if, but if you want to argue with me on this, um, a, of canonical autistic characters, it's going to be like Avon Staros, 
Thrawn, Galen Erso, Tech from the Bad Batch, and Stanley Geos. And several of them are involved with the Death Star. And I don't know. So, you know, okay, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do with that information. I'm sorry to make this the fucking Bad Batch callback episode, (laughs) but the idea of Tech being like, I've just found this design look i've made a little mini replica isn't this so funny guys and then they get offed by the empire and they're like whoa he did it cool let's just keep let's it works okay that is very funny to me however what is more funny um sorry to make this a peacemaker podcast suddenly but there is an episode where john economos (laughs) does make like a powerpoint presentation and they give him a lot of shit about it that is tech about the death star yes literally he's like okay here and they're like you added graphics you added graphics to your powerpoint about the death star and he's like i was having fun with it okay i am a known belzettafar stan he is my favorite star wars character i mean he's a classic he is he is a classic he's the in a lot of ways there are a lot of parallels to him and obi-wan in the phantom menace of like hi i'm a little guy who has a relationship with my master that isn't just like this perfect picture perfect thing like i have my own issues but like i talk to my master about it obi-wan could ever um <laughs> anyways then he has like this huge arc about grief i really appreciate that and then on the note of grief honesty weft my little <laughs> he's my quirked up little white boy he is the axe woves of, <laughs> of the high republic for me of just like you're a little white guy who is here for five minutes and i'm obsessed with you for some godforsaken reason i must say we do know more about honesty weft than we do axe wove so i get his name out of your mouth that is true fair enough um ty also my girl tyler yorick shout out um a character that we have not talked a whole lot about that i also have just really spiritually connected to on a way that i didn't expect court um i think he's just a little guy um and i think that that is very charming and I think people need to respect him more. Um, the <laughs> the uh, High Republic Adventures 13, um, <laughs> there's the scene where him and Farzala float Baby Zint, who is, uh, fuck Baby Yoda. I don't give a fuck about him. I care about Zint. I always forget about Court, and then I think about it, and I'm like, oh, he's the best. Damn. Actually, Sav Malagon, we haven't talked about her enough. Latinos in space, am I right? <laughs> so true. Girl boss. I cannot wait to learn more about her. I'm assuming she and Porter were going to find out a fair about a, amount of information about. Um, I will also say, just on the note of Sav Malagan, Danny Jose Older really decided <laughs> in Edge of Balance 2. He was like, what if I killed a child? Okay, <laughs> so I I feel like I brought a curse on, on the High Republic in some way because... This thing starts and then it keeps going with a, there are a lot of Padawans losing their masters. And that happens, you know, in the, you know, it's a pretty often theme in the rest of Star Wars. But like in the High Republic, it's like from the jump, it's like another one, another one, another one, another one. And at one point I went, huh, we've really explored grief and like of Padawans losing their masters have we ever really seen a master lose their Padawan? Not to the dark side, but like to death. And I should have shut the fuck up is what I should have done. I should have been quiet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this house made me think of 
Lily Tora Asi and Rail Avaros parallels. Okay. That is the funniest fucking connection to draw. No, because here's the other the other bestie that you are not considering. I know that his Padawan had already been knighted, but I'm thinking about Kit Fisto when his former Padawan did die <laughs> and he was like, oh no, okay, gonna do a backflip. <laughs> like, I, that's kind of what Lily I did. did. I did think of that, but at the time, that yeah, it was his former Padawan. Like, he'd already been okay. knighted. I was talking about, like, when they are still a kid and they're still your Padawan. Okay, well, sorry Kit Fisto didn't lose his Padawan when he was still a child. Um, no, I'm kidding. But I just I just think about that a lot because I think it's very funny when he's like, no! <laughs> anyway. Edge of balance? What the fuck? <laughs> okay, well, Lily, Lily deserves to do a backflip. So true. Speaking of edge of balance, do we want to get into our critiques of the High Republic? Yeah, one of the kind of criticisms that I have, and I think it's very specifically of this like last wave, is there's just so much that has been built up that like there's so many characters that have been introduced. There's so many open storylines that I think for the most part are done really well and are really interesting. I'm excited to see them pay off. But there's some stuff that hasn't quite paid off. One of those things, I think, speaking of Edge of Balance, so how how are we going to talk about how Nan was there at the beginning of Edge of Balance when Martian no. was explaining the plan? I was like, wait, huh? Like, I mean, I think, like, one of the key tenets of the Fallen Star is that Nan does not know the plan. So it's really interesting that she is there. Because I maybe I misread, but I'm pretty sure that after um, Out of the Shadows, she is not in connection with the Nihil until after Fallen Star. Um, and I mean, I think maybe this could be sorted with the timeline. Like, I would like to see if there's any sort of like, like there's a lot of fan-made stuff, which I deeply, deeply appreciate, but I would really like to see some sort of official timeline. I, th I think that's going to be where a, a lot of our critiques come from as, as far as like, and this is in the distribution and production arena, um, which I'll say this. High Republic has done incredibly well for coming out in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of of being an entire publishing thing across several different publishers when shipping has been fucked the entire world over. This is the textbook example of corporate baseball affecting storytelling. Disney changing their priorities several times over uh, over the past few years, over this past year, of all that kind of stuff and what where that puts the High Republic and what that means marketing-wise and all that kind of stuff. Because literally, you know, you have people like, yeah, getting people to read books is hard or whatever, but then you have people being like, oh, I want to read it. And they have to like ask random people on Twitter where to read. And people will be like, well, they made a bookmark on StarWars.com. And I'm like, I know that the people working in social and digital, whatever, they're doing their best or whatever. And yeah, it's across several publishing initiatives, whatever. But it's it's literally like, you know, whether I'm trying to read War of the Bounty Hunters in the correct order uh, ju from just Marvel, or I want to know, like, on the books themselves, which adult books in the High Republic are books one, two, and three, I don't fucking know. And... I feel like there's a wider philosophical discussion that could be had here about Star Wars of like, or about franchises in general, um, about how like everything needs to be an on-ramp and how there's, there's always this thing of like, 
oh, well, you can start anywhere where you can whatever, anywhere, whatever. And, and that's really great. And I'm glad when that happens a lot of times. However, in this case, it was it's very hard to build a story like that because because then they're, they're like, oh, well, anybody can jump in here. Anybody can jump in here. And I'm like, yes, that's very good because not everyone's going to have access to everything. However, um, it, it also, you, 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 there are things you can do to make it easier, not only to access, but at least to know what goes where or how things fit or whatever without those of us who are sitting here like Charlie Day with the fucking straw, string in the back with a, with, a, with a Google document and Wikipedia open. Like, I, there has to be a middle ground between, you know, complete corporate control, uh, you know, and, and whatever, and, the fa- and acknowledging the fact that, you know, not everybody has access to things because, you know, funding for libraries is terrible and nobody makes any money and they can't buy every single thing. And also the fact that, like, not every story needs to be an on-ramp for everything just so that people can buy shit. Like I, I, there has to be a middle ground. I would, I would say this. I, I have two things I think to speak to that. One is that like comic books as a medium for a long time have perfected the art of allowing you to, like, you can't jump anywhere in a story. Like if you want to jump into like the most recent run of Miles Morales, the comic will tell you like, Hey, you should re- really be reading like this, this, and this first come back here. And when new storylines intersect, like there's a section, I think in Miles Morales 2018, where like the King and Black storyline just jumps into the comic and they're like, go back to this and read all of that and then come back here and they'll be good to go. Um, and that functions really well. And it's also very helpful. That said, I mean, it, it can still be hard to like know where to like, get started. My gripe with the higher public as a like collection of stories is I have nothing like against any level of of reading. Like obviously the middle grade books are very good. The YA books are very good. Like these are all good stories. However, um, as someone who like personally, I just don't like to read middle grade books. It doesn't appeal to me as like a person who reads things. I'm not very engaged by it most of the time. So I just haven't read the last couple of them. And that's okay. But like what it means is that you're rendered a little bit out of the loop when certain stories jump back into the main continuity or the main plot. And like, that's a, that's just a reality of reading things, but comic books manage to do that in a way that's a lot more seamless where the very baseline is like, here's where we are. Here's what's going on. You don't feel like, I guess perhaps as left out per se, but that's also just challenging because like not every level can do everything at the same time. That isn't like a fair ask of a series. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think something too, is that you see in situations and this specifically happened um in this wave where you will see them finally trying to bring those connections um where you have characters like Bernestra and Emery talk to Avar who is one of the main characters of the Marvel comics Avar's like you guys should come with us on the Adaraxia to go get Lorna D and they're like awesome let's go so at the end of Mission to Disaster, you have the impression that, oh, if I want to see Vernestra and Emery's story continue, I should read the next, I should read the Higher Public comics. So you go and read those, come the end of the Higher Public comics, they are nowhere to be seen. And we see the Ataraxia, we see basically the entire crew of the Ataraxia, Vernestra and Emery aren't there. And I just, I don't, it's weird because it's stuff like that that feels like a tiny continuity issue in the grand scheme of things. But it is, you know, if your favorite character is Vernestra, who is, for all intents and purposes, the main character of 
the middle grade of pretty much every single Justina Ireland moment, it's suddenly like, okay, well, where is she? And, you know, it's just, it's a weird She's She's thing. also one of the adult, uh, she's also like, this was huge in The Fallen Star. She's one of the adult characters, former Padawans. Like, Stellan Geos is dying and in his dying moments, and there's not even a mention of Vernestra. Like, that was insane to me. Like, even if yeah. I only read the adult books, and let's say I didn't know, um, I didn't know her as a person, and, me, you know, maybe it was mentioned in the past. I don't know if she has been mentioned to be his Padawan in the past. Like, me as a, as an adult Star Wars fan who was just reading that, like, it would still mean a lot for, to me for him to think about his Padawan in his dying moments or, or to talk about her, be worried about her in some way in some other time, and that doesn't happen. That being said, like, I, I can get into whatever, but it, it works the other way, too. I feel like a lot of our critiques are very, like, I don't know, they're much less about the actual narrative itself and more about, like, kind of these, like, larger systemic things, um about the franchise which i think is a testament to how good this series is like there isn't a whole lot to be like okay well like i think that there can be something said about like and maybe maybe i am not reading the comics as closely as i should but like i kind of just like miss avar like i know she's a main character in the comics comics in the comics um but i just feel like i can't wait to like see more of her and i feel like it has really been weird um how she's existed in the books because in light of the jedi like she's like really there um and in the comics once again really there um she has like an overall like arc and narrative in that story um but like in the rising storm she's conveni conveniently not there once again because of the story but like the fallen star felt really weird for me for avar because i was just like you are here but you're not you're and helping Estala Maru not explode in a passion, and then he does. Okay, okay, bye. Another thing about Avar, too, and I think this is another sort of continuity thing, um, and I don't know how you would remedy this. I'm obviously not a writer for a reason, but in the at the end of The Fallen Star, you have Avar and Elzar sort of confiding in each other about how upset they are, um, and clearly Avar is upset, and clearly there's been a little bit of time for her to you know, come to and be all right. But she is a mess at the end of the comics. And we see Keeve be like, don't worry, like I'm going to take on a, almost a caretaker role and I'm going to step up. And then at the end of The Fallen Star, we see Avar and Elzar having this conversation where Avar is almost a caretaker to Elzar, who is honestly, Elzar was messed up, but he was in a way better mental, like he had a lot more mental fortitude at the end of The Fallen Star than Avar had at the end of the comics. So this might just be a commentary on like how like the gender roles of men and women and how often like a woman's story gets sidelined um, so that she can be a caretaker to a man, which I'm not necessarily saying is what's happening here. I think it may just be, I don't, again, I don't want to say it's a miscommunication about where they were at at the end of their respective stories, but it is definitely evident that there was a bit of a disconnect in like, what are they feeling? And like, oh, we could talk about unreliable narrator, but I don't think that that is the reason for that. Yeah. And there is also, of course, like the the understanding of like relationships are different. Like Avar is just maybe being having a moment of emotional intimacy with Keeve that she's just not having with Elzar. Like she is not talking about emotions because she's used to having to be that more caretaker role in their relationship. Who knows? 
I will say, um, Kevin, I think, was the one who tweeted something today where he was like, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people's, like, critiques similar to this, and it's, like, taking everything inside me to, like, not say anything because I know, like, I know that some of what you guys are saying is going to be resolved, but I just can't talk about it right now, and you'll see. And so that's why I'm, like, trying to hold my judgment on, like, the narrative stuff of that kind of thing. I will say this um, for the overall, like, hmm, how does this connect? And, like, sometimes things disconnect and whatever. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of a lot of things. I've consumed a lot of things. I I, I love an experiment, and I, lo- I love an experiment, and I love something different. And I, and I love that they're, that they're constructing a story in a different way than, than usually happens, which is like there's filmed media and then they make stuff to like tie into that. Or, you know, it's a book series that then, you know, has things and then they adapt it, whatever. I, 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 I experiment, I guess might be the wrong word. Like I, I love the, the trying, trying the new thing and I, and obviously there's things that work and that don't work um but it's kind of wonderful to see star wars at least try and and star wars of all things because star wars does not take chances uh (laughs) normally so it's nice um and i know that there was a lot of this discussion after the fallen star came out there were a lot of critiques I i was not as critical of the fallen star as some people were and i think now that we've seen all of phase one it's a lot easier to talk about okay i guess on a story level the thing that I got tired of and it's it wasn't bad storytelling but like the last section of this uh, part of the higher public which is like this gauntlet of personal tragedy that was like seemingly never ending and like from a story perspective that's fine because what it easily sets up is the rest of these characters story when we come back to explore it has to be an upswing like by narrative definition that's the only way that this works but I just got burnt out uh, at some point like full disclosure confessional moment super emotional not clickbait story time uh I have not read The Fallen Star, not even opened a page of it. I have no intention to read The Fallen Star because like, I just don't want to do it anymore. Like the consistency with which things get worse on like literally every side, not you, Man Horizon, my bestie, my friend. But like, that was the first thing that I was reading in a while. Where I was like, oh, things are improving. Things are happening to the characters that are good and substantive. And like, that wasn't not present. Like the Higher Public Adventures also had like a lot of like positive moments, but the overall story was just like constant heartbreaking tragedy. And that got really tiring to me at some point. Um, maybe so much, I mean, I don't know if that's so much of a, of a critique and more of it is a thing that was not working for me because I can see narratively and structurally, it makes a lot of sense. But I, as a reader was like, I'm over it. I want things to start working out for these people. Please free them. It's interesting to look at the, the structure of phase one has been, gigantic cataclysm and then dealing with the like each phase has started with a gigantic cataclysm and then dealing with the fallout gigantic cataclysm and dealing with the fallout and or seeing it from another angle um and then if obviously you compare that to the star wars trilogies um obviously each phase is supposed to be more like the trilogies but if you think about like each movie you know being like each wave or whatever like each movie doesn't start with a cataclysm like the first one you have the death star kill alderaan for sure but you don't have that happen like again in empire strikes back like you lose han so like you have personal losses like you lose han solo and like shit like that and then you know they build a second death star or whatever and like hoth is a giant fuck up or whatever 
And in the prequels, for example, like, there's problems in each one, like a war starts, whatever, but it's building towards the big cataclysm at the end. Um, you know, and obviously in the sequel trilogy, it's very similar to the originals where it's like we start with it and then we and then we go through. Um, with this one, it was consistent. It was like another one, another. And it was like, OK, all right. Like either 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 go one way or go the other way. I, uh, like, you know, either make me feel dread the whole time or or whatever. And to be fair, if they are if they are starting a book being like, wow, look at this amazing space station. It's so wonderful. Immediately I was like, well, obviously something horrible is going to happen to this thing eventually. So it was definitely like dread the whole time. I did not expect in the middle of that for there to be other just life-ending crises before that. I was like, Jesus. Um, you know, again, it's supposed to give a completely different feel, whatever. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's not just Star Wars that's like this narratively. It, it's, 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 it was very much like, okay, so you can't just, that's enough slices. You get that in, like, each book kind of has, you know, a narrative flow and has, like, a story structure. But reading them all subsequently, like, one after the other, it's a lot, especially if you're like us um, and a lot of people who did this, who got into it and then were in it when a lot of it was already out and you read a lot of it all at once. And it's like, wow, they're really beating my ass, huh? And I would just say this, the primary difference for me between the earlier, I don't remember if it's wave, if it's waves or phases, because frankly, I have the memory of a dementiac walnut. But um, <laughs> the, the thing that I loved about Light of the Jedi that stuck with me as a book was like, you open on this huge humanitarian disaster, but there's a big sense of hope throughout the book that this is a solvable problem the characters can encounter, which, to be fair, is a testament to very good writing in the higher public because I believe in their complete lack of hope for the rest of the series as the problem gets so large that it cannot feasibly be solved with lightsabers. Like, And that's good storytelling, but it did make it a little bit, for me at least, of a slog of like, cause in the light of the Jedi, like, yes, the situation is quite dire, but like the characters believe in their ability to solve the problem and watching them do it felt very good. It was like a nice story. Um, and that has since changed, which like I recognize is actually good writing that I'm feeling their hopelessness and like their inability to solve this problem. But as a reader, I'm like, please free my girlies from the ocean. I'm begging you, Silencios. I'm so sorry that you're down there. <laughs> Do you guys think we have to scuba dive for him? At some Get point, out. or just like he'll stay down there. You're done. He's okay. fine. He got out and swam away. This is actually just like the Legends ending of Fallen Order, where Trilla died, You're but done. she actually is fine in the canon version. Stellan Jews yeah. is fine in canon. It's in Legends that he died. Yeah. Um. Actually, so this is the the really heartbreaking part about Stellan Geos. Um, he survived Starlight um crashing, but he went and washed up on the beach from old. So. Free Stellangios on the beach from old. Free him. Okay. Anyways, back crosshair and beach from old joke. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I I saw the opportunity and took it. Um, I will say as the final kind of like wrap up, and I think it's just kind of another, um, way, another angle that I'm seeing what Noah is talking about and what Claudia talked about is for me seeing Balzetafar go through bullshit after bullshit. To be fair. In the Fallen Star, he takes a considerable amount of W's. He, I think of all the characters in that book, is probably the one who's going off and is like, you know what? Everything's undone. I'm, I'm okay. Um, but like, I, and I this mean, is- he loses 
loses he loses his best friend. That's kind yeah, of yeah. But he no, but but here's the thing. He doesn't like we Burry at the least truth to him is out there. At least to him, Burry is still alive. He's like, I'm going to go find my bestie, and then we'll see what's going to happen after that. I don't know. That's good for him. That's what he needed. What I will say is that there is something about narrative about young black boys having to go through trauma after trauma, and, like, that doesn't feel the best to me. But once again, I don't think that that is, like, I don't know. Like, because everyone else is also enduring that same bullshit i'm less apt to be like this feels <laughs> this feels racially motivated because it doesn't it just is like that really sucks bell i'm sorry um so now we're gonna take some audience questions some of you uh had a couple questions about the high republic uh phase one for all of us so we're gonna quickly go around do a little lightning round our first question is from at megan Katz. Um, and this is just a, a quick one. Is it possible to read the comics before the books or should we read them as they were released? Um, great news. Um, we have a High Republic reading order that the lovely Mel uh, worked on, keeps updated, um, that you can reference um, about that. But, you know, Mel, since you're the creator of that uh, that guide, what are your opinions on that? I will say... Um... Yeah. First of all, go to tinyurl.com forward slash read THR and there's the reading guide. It's pretty straightforward. Um, You don't have to read everything. But as we said in our like critiques area, reading it all, I think is really advantageous. um, And I highly recommend it. Also, just because it's a good story. That's what I have to say on it. Nextly, Twitter user EgoQuireRec1 asks, who is our top THR glub shitto? Uh, I want to explain what a glub shitto is for the people at home. It's a random fucked up little guy that you like. Yeah. He's a not a main sh- character. Yeah. A glub shitto is someone who, if they appeared in a piece of media, you'd be like, whoa, what are they doing here? Um, and I think I've are my main, my, one of my faves is probably a glub shitto, which is Torban Buck. Um, but the other one I will say my follow-up is Tayami, um, who is, Again, kind of maybe a little bit too well known. Um, oh, oh, you know who my real glove shadow is? Captain Bright from Flight of the Jedi. I miss him. He was a boy boss. I don't know if I have one because all of my favorite characters are the main cast. Um, yeah, I am sorry that I'm being normal on main. my favorite glove shadow is Reed Silas. I'm Noah. You're done. I am going to enter my city okay. in Euphoria era. What I <laughs> I'm will say, start yelling. What I will say is, if you do say read the name Reed Silas to someone who has only seen the movies, they would be like, "Who?" So fair yes. enough. This Technically, fair. all High Republic characters are Glubshidos. So these are. This is like you know how in Neopets you have the Neopet and then you have the pet pet. This is like the pet pet of Glubshidos. Does Doctor Uttersong count as a, as a Glubshido? Yeah. In that case, yes. I think he's funky and fresh. I don't know because I have like the same problem as as Noah, where all my my besties, my favorites are like like main people. I will say this. I will ask you this question simply because I think it's the elephant in the room. Do you think Kevin Tar is white Eli Vanto? Absolutely. Who? In Light of the Jedi, he's the little ginger bitch who is like Elzar. You're so smart. You guys are making it rain. I read he, Light of the Jedi like 
back in the summer, so I have no remembrance um, of like minor things in here, that book he anymore. Is, he is the one who proposes the idea of the droid array. He's like, at the very beginning, he's like, oh my god, our planet's getting destroyed. Oh, that that dude? Yeah, like the little guy, like the little college kid who's his, his bet, like, who's like, oh, wait, no. no, here, now I know who my glove shadow is now that you've like jogged some light of the Jedi like memories. Or actually now I have two because I remember something else. But no, uh, the one captain dude in the beginning of Light of the Jedi who does explode in a passion and his last words get cut off because he's just like we are all the Republic but um, the station exploded Uh, that guy I did have to pause reading the book because I was just like I I can't do this are you talking about the Nautilin yeah Captain Bright who I said at the beginning of this segment Uh, I guess the other glove shadow is uh our our bestie hold on fucking i need to get his name right or else i'm gonna i'm gonna die in a passion too douglas dougie (laughs) master dog i i miss you you were only there for like a few chapters and then you also exploded in a passion but he he was emory's you know original master before Vern adopted him and he seemed like a nice guy. Not to derail this segment, my personal fan cast for one Douglas Sunvale is Brendan Fraser because I think that's just like <gasps> that's very so powerful. powerful. That'd be very good. I like. I'm, I'm going to say a name of an actor that I saw thrown around for a character in the High Republic. You're going to have to guess who. Michael Sarah. Reed Silas. Yes. He's like, oh, hey, Comac. I um, <laughs> like, yeah, that's so crazy. Oh I was God, actually seven gonna, like, evil exes. There, <laughs> the idea of Reed Silas having one evil ex, having one ex, full stop, girly. It's not, no, no. It's, it's not even. It's not even evil exes. It's just seven queer women that he's been in love with over the yeah, last exactly. two months, and they're like, can we? They have a group chat where they're like, can someone help him figure out what's going on right now? Can somebody tell that kid that he is gay? So true. My glove shadows. I've I've already talked about my main my main boy, honesty. Um, other notable glove shadows. Professor Wolk from um, Out of the Shadows. He he learned he lived he served cunt broke broke boundaries and stereotypes and then he died in a passion. Um, and then I'm trying to think. I have like so many little glove shadows. I really like Samira. I feel like she deserves more. And then I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Yasek Sparkburn. I want to see that bitch. What yes. is she up to? He is I was just thinking about him. So true. He has he has a fat ass. That is all. My my glove shadows are um the two little padawans in Edge of Balance that are just like they're they're they clearly don't have any other kids to hang out with and they're trying their best. And Lily Torassi is like again another girl boss character, kind of like Vern who is having to parent basically three children um and these little kids they're so adorable and the one of them is a Tegruda and makes me think of baby uh Ahsoka constantly and um screaming crying throwing up um I had another one 
that is escaping me right now and it's spot oh um marshawn rose little bird boyfriend <laughs> oh Dis. Udi, put some respect on Udi Dis's name. Also, he did not get leveled. Mark did just fully stab him. Yeah, I, I, I love, I love how they like developed a whole backstory for this man, like, and uh, like a whole motivation and everything, whatever. And I knew the whole time I was like, he is getting murdered. Why are they spending so much time on this man? Um, but I was really, I was really invested in him. Um, <laughs> and he's kind of force sensitive. Unfortunately, he does remind me. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Jess. He does remind me of Zuckus. <laughs> we don't talk about Zuckus. <laughs> and then he's from like a force sensitive um, race or whatever. I just, I just think about that little guy um, a lot. Oh, and my other one was, um, I believe this is from Mission to Disaster. Um, the new Tempest Runner. I forget what her goddamn name is. Um, Kara Zoo. Yeah, I don't know. She's she's very Yasenslay. I I don't know if she count this person counts as a Glupshido at this point. But um what is the name of the bounty hunter that Ju- Justina Ireland created who was alive during the High Republic and was Diva Lompop. Diva Lompop. Diva Lompop. Number 1. I wish she had fucking showed up in the book of Boba Fett. Um, Diva Lompop, I'm obsessed with you. Um, yeah, she's like, was around and kicking it in the High Republic and her species just lives a long time and she is the color of a pride flag and then when we see her again in like the Star Wars main run comics, she's just like living her best life in a spa and a bathrobe and then Jabba's like, hey, can you like do some shit for me? And She's just kicking ass. Um, and I don't know. I'm obsessed with her. I'm surprised none of us brought up our, our obvious favorite club shadows, the Santeca husbands. <gasps> That's because they're not my favorite club shadows. Oh, what are you talking about? They're the queer representation we've been wanting all along. It's all we ever wanted. All we truly deserve. It has just occurred to me. They are the the lesbians kissing in Rise of Skywalker, but in reverse. Oh my god. We did it, Joe. Our next question is from our beloved Mackenzie. What's our High Republic kin list? My kin list is probably uh, Starlight Beacon, The Leveler, Hyperspace, <laughs> um, um, perhaps Mari Sandeka in her little pickle jar. Oh my god. It's so funny. I have an actual answer. <laughs> Um, so my answer, unfortunately, is Stellan Geos. Every- that was mine too. Okay, well, no doubles, so you need to pick someone else. Um, Not- okay, we can't have kin drama on the podcast. <laughs> well, what I like about Stellan is that there's something wrong with him. And there's also things wrong with me. So I think it, we match together. But what I also really like about him is that he is like, it's it's almost like, I think a lot of people look at Stellan and think like, oh, gifted kid burnout. But I don't think that's what it is. I think he is like, he definitely was taking AP classes and he definitely was like a quote unquote gifted kid. But I don't think that it is gifted kid burnout. What I think he faces is he is someone who has had a very, um, like a very high standard 
that he has internally decided to meet. And I think there's, of course, external pressure as well. But he has reached a point in his life where he's like, oh, I actually just realized that I don't really know what I don't know. I need to go on a journey of self-discovery, which is what he's doing post Holland Star. But I think it's really interesting to see a character who has that sort of reckoning. Because again, it's something that we get the, like we can get from a book that we might not be able to get from other types is we hear that internal struggle and we see him, we see how he is feeling explained, you know, as it, as, as happens in a book. Um, And I just think his perspective is really interesting. And I really like the way that it is portrayed of him being like, yeah, I'm, who, what am I doing? Who am I? What, I don't know who I am. I um, have an actual answer not to be facetious for absolutely zero reason, but um, I would say if I had to pick just one, because I don't really have a list, um, but I would say Reed Silas is definitely up there uh, because his plotline in Midnight Horizon is very much about finding out that there is no direction forward. There's just forward. And that's something you have to live with and figure out for yourself. And for better or for worse, I did read that story at a time in my life where I was having a very similar struggle. So I was like, I related that little motherfucker. I do like saying that like a time in my life is though that was not like last month, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, I just think he's a quirked up white boy, possibly with a little bit of a sexual swagger and he's busting it down sexual style. I'm going to say Comac Vitus is at the top of mine um, and that he's somebody who's like, yeah, I'm, I've seen a lot and been through a lot and now I am a bit radicalized and I don't know what to do with my life. Um, I <laughs> I relate. Um, Alzar Man is one of those characters that I just felt a deep kinship with. I don't um, as a person, but I don't have the same personal struggles as him, so I guess that doesn't really count. Um, Stellan Geos, again, is, is, was, was gonna be the other one. Um, I, there was one more, it's, it's always troubling for me when I never pick a woman, like, to myself, I'm always like, for a dollar, pick a woman. Um, and I never do that. Um, I, I, I wish, you know what, some, I, I'm going to put Lorna D on there because, um, I have entered my, I don't want peace, I want problems era. And I think that's, she has inspired me. Um, and I am also against the prison industrial complex. My kin list is as follows, honesty weft. (laughs) I really talk about this bitch a lot. Um. And then if I have to choose like a, a main character that I really relate to, um, Ty in a lot of ways, um, and to some lesser extent, Belle, but I'm sorry, I'm having, I'm having kinning the characters I like moment, um, but it's the truth. My kin list, and I, I'm not going to explain anything. You can um, try to piece things together yourselves. My kin list, Zareth Silas, and Recanteros and Marciano. <laughs> Jess, can we, you we need say to address what you put in the chat? No, this was like the actual Glove Shido that I forgot to mention. Oh, is my oh. favorite Glove Shido. Counselor John Wittick. Rest in peace, King. Spoilers for Tempest Runner. <laughs> I did get weirdly attached to that motherfucker. And I think it's because I did picture him as Jeremy Strong. So I was like, this is just like Succession. 
<laughs> no. You're done. You're done. Okay. Our last question is from at Astra M. What is your favorite relationship of any kind? Handsome sigh and buckets of blood. Next question. Stellan Geos and the sea. Belle and Ember. Period. Great answer. Um, I love Wreath and Ram. I think they are the moment. Mine's is Vern and Emery. Mine is also going to be a Midnight Horizon one. Mine is Cantum and Yoda, <laughs> actually. Which so is true. insane for me because I have not historically been a Yoda stand. I talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but it, that did hit me in a way that I cannot express. Um, and, uh, and I think to extension, I think Cantum and Lula, although we haven't seen them together as much because Lula, we didn't really see her in Minute Horizon because she was off doing her own little thing. That mean, that being said, the Firebrand's Polycule, do I think about them a lot? Yeah, I do. Um, I, it actually was a part of the reason why I was a little mad about some of the books or whatever because I was like, oh, I want to know more about like Avar's a- relationship with Elzar. What was her relationship with Stellan? Like, you know, we finally get to see Elzar and, and Stellan's relationship. And, like, clearly at the end of their bo- the book, they're like, the three of us are tied intricately together. And I'm like, well, one of the points of that star, I did not see as much of how she is connected. So, um, so yeah, I actually give a lot of a shit about that relationship. And I wanted to know more about it for that reason. I fucking lost it there at the end. I don't know how music works. Hi. Welcome to Is It Legends or Did I Just Make It Up? A segment wherein I have gone to the deep reaches of Wikipedia and have looked at some Legends pages. And now I'm going to hold my friends in like a saw trap and ask them, is this real or did I just make this up in Legends? Are you all ready? Behind the scenes fact, um, this was originally going to be in our uh, interview with Daniel Jose Older, um, but we just didn't end up doing it. Um, So this is all questions about Corellia. Number one, in Legends, the Jedi of Corellia wore green robes as opposed to the more traditional brown. I think that's very fun. Is it like St. Patrick's Day? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, I'll say I'll say that. I'll say I think it's legends in honor of it canonizing St. Patrick's Day. I'll say legends. We've talked about Corellia being like the Detroit of Star Wars. What if it's the Chicago? What if this is the fucking Nar. Nar. <laughs> Anyways. Was Chicago the city with the Dave Matthews band bus? Yes. Just yes, it is. Yes, it is. All, all the ways to identify Chicago. Man, Anyways. remember remember when the Dave Matthews... Oh, my God. <laughs> that's the vessel. <laughs> okay, we know. No, no. <laughs> For those of you guys who don't know, um, the Dave Matthews band tour bus <laughs> did, like, release its... <laughs> it's, like waste which is like where the stuff in it's the bathroom goes it's septic tank they they released it off the side of a bridge like intending for it to go into the water which is not good you shouldn't Still do that bad. but they also did it on top of a boat as it went under and i just think that the vessel crew accidentally doing that to to um <laughs> they accidentally do that to um the star hopper and i think that'd be very funny does geo shit 
<laughs> can't do this anyway um i I'm so sorry i think it's legends i think mal made it up i did not say but i would like it to be legends well fucking wish granted noah it is legends no. Yeah. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Corellians. Is there a reason? Han Solo is the person who wears a shirt that says "Kiss Me, I'm Corellian." Oh, for sure. Um, I don't know if there's a reason. They just do. There's a lot of Jedi lore about Corellia. Um, are you ready for the next question? In 27 BBY, Mithran Yorodo mistakenly calls Corellia Krell. Is it Legends or did I just make it up? I'm shooting from the hip. I think that's Legends. I think it's funny, so I'm gonna say legends. Krell, like <laughs> Pong Krell, exactly. Now I've only read one of the Thrawn books, so it's possible that in other ones he's prone to grammatical and spelling errors, but he doesn't strike me as the type to be like that. I'm gonna say that you made it up because I think it'd be funny if you did. Like on one hand, it feels dumb enough where it could be legends, right? But then. <sighs> The, the Thrawn Legends books, whenever I learn new information about what's going on there, I'm always like, what the fuck? What is that? So I think it's Legends. It is, in fact, Legends. I love coming on this show and being not only blatantly wrong, but also saying things that are patently untrue. I think it's so fun. <laughs> Next question. Crix Medine, Corellian Imperial Defector, was killed on the battle station Darksaber. Is it Legends or did I just make it up? You made that one up. His name is Crix. The battle station Darksaber isn't the thing that's tripping you up. It's the Crix part. Because <laughs> here's unfortunately what I am picturing is like a really big Darksaber that floats in space. And that's why they named it. That is like it's a really big scale model replica of the Darksaber. I'm going to say that it is made up. Um, I will also say that you made it up because mm, I have a reason, but I won't say it until after the reveal. So here's my thing. I know there's like other characters named Cricks because I go through uh, Legends Wikipedia a lot. And but what's throwing me off is like the Darksaber part. <laughs> I think it's Legends. Okay, no, because I was wrong last time. I spread Slayers' rumors of the gig, falses of the function. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that it is actually legends for the sole purpose of switching my answer from last time okay claudia what did you say i said you made this up okay well i didn't make it up it is legends how do you spell battle Crips? station wait, wait wait battle station dark saber battle station dark saber i was fucking Star crazy c-r-i-x what i hate that because i was gonna say i've like definitely Christ looked up checks? as i say i've definitely looked up cricks on wikipedia multiple times and i have only seen two so maybe it was one is a trandoshan and one is the little the little fucked up guy from the high republic i think it was the c that's got that got me yeah it was the c that's so cringe of me (laughs) next one in legends the corellian jedi temple would award jedi who achieved the rank of master with jedi credits they were essentially these little medals and they were also known as jed creds is that legend that or did I just make it up? sounds like a melism. Um, you made that one Jed Krenz. <laughs> I'm going to say it's legends. And I was going to bring up Catholicism, but I'm restraining myself and I'm not going to. Good. I think that this is legends because that seems like something someone on Corellia would do. I also like Jed Krenz. That's very fun. 
rolls off the tongue. When are they going to have Jed creds at um, Galaxy's Edge? That's my question. I like it a lot and I want it to exist. So I'm going to say Legends. Congratulations. It is, in fact, Legends. I think it's from KOTOR. I'm not sure. I didn't look. Anyways, are we ready for the last one of the evening? In Legends, the phrase wizard was coined by Tatooine bartender Marshada. I'm going to say Legends because I've been wrong so much before. I feel like I've read this somewhere, so I'm going to say Legends. I'm probably wrong, but I don't care. See, I also feel like I might have seen this on Wikipedia. Because one time I did spend five hours hitting the random page. I'm not even joking. It was like five hours of me doing that. Uh, And I feel like I saw that or something similar. I I don't know. Am I gaslighting myself? (laughs) I'm going to just say, yeah, it's, it's Legends. Let's go. How many is this? Five for five? I'm going to say that it's Legends. I got your fucking asses. I made that shit up. Well, I feel like You're I saw done. something about a bartender on Tatooine, though. You're I mean, there's maybe probably... it wasn't about wizard. Yeah, there's probably a lot of bartenders on Tatooine. <laughs> they got nothing else to do. It's just sand there. Yeah, they're like, what am I? What career path do you want to follow, son? They're like, I don't know, bartender. <laughs> they're like, great. It's not like our economy is full of them. Uh, so this is all to say. Congratulations, Jess. You won this week's Legends, or did I just make it up? A few. I, I kept my crown. Welcome back to everyone's favorite segment, uh, Name That Ship, where this it's the segment where one of our hosts brings, like, presents a fanfic to the other hosts, and they read the tags, and the other hosts have to guess, based off the tags, who is, like, the main, like, ship in this fanfic we want to preface this again where we're not trying to be mean we love all fanfic writers and we appreciate them and we appreciate fanfic as a as a medium i did pull this from our our little you know submissions thing so thanks to people who sent us those this was originally meant for claudia but i'm stealing it because i can this this is, uh, I just want to say, this is a Star Wars character and someone who is not a Star Wars character. That's the ship. Anyway, Mark. so, yeah. The tags are character A slash character B. I forgot there's another ship in here. That's also not Star Wars characters. <laughs> um, but it's Tom Hanks and Barack Obama. Now, okay. Whoa. <laughs> They need to get out of here. Wait, okay. So, so is, is it this RP- RPF? Yeah, it is. Is the a other Star Wars way, character is the, is, and, and a real the, human being? Yeah. Is it another politician? No. Is it Nancy Pelosi? No. Oh. Anyway, it, let me okay, they just said it, it's not a politician. Okay, um, wait, are so, they famous? No. Okay, let them yeah, finish the tags. Let me, let me finish the tags. Okay, so, sorry. so yeah, it's character A and then character B, Lady Gaga. Tom Hanks, Barack Obama, and then there's original male characters, original female characters, uh, 69 marriage, (laughs) domestic children, adopted children, poverty, financial issues, Sith character A, 
a phrase that I'm not going to say because it will give it away. And then um, male homosexuality, gay parents. Okay. Is one Din Djarin? No. Does this have anything to do with the Madonna biopic Olympics? N- no. <laughs> Actually, is Obi-Wan gay people Kenobi- are bad. Is Obi-Wan Kenobi one of the characters? No. Is it two male characters in the primary ship or yeah. is it straight? Okay, it's what? two male a male character and a, a, a person who does identify as male. Is okay. It, okay, is character B, so character B is the non-Star Wars character, right? Is it yeah. like a famous person? Like Yes. Is it Anthony Hopkins? No. Is it oh. Harry Styles? Is this No, but you're getting warmer, Mel. Is it a Matt member sense. of One Direction? No. Fuck. Is the Star Wars character, like what era? Prequels, sequels? Prequels. prequels. Are they Anakin. Human, human or no, non-human? No, they're not human. Plo Koon? They... No. What if... No. Is it C-3PO? No. Are, are they, they a Jedi? droid or are they a Jedi? Wait, it says Sith character A, so are they ordinarily not a Sith? <gasps> Is it Maul? They're not a Sith. Yeah, they're oh. ordinarily not a Sith. And they're not and a And they're not a droid or a Jedi. Bail Organa. No, they're He's not a human. human. <laughs> um, Is it Hondo? No. That would have been funny. Okay, so <laughs> you said we were getting close. Is the is the character there sh- with not a character, it's a famous person. Is the famous person a musician? Yes. Oh, Elton God. John. No. <laughs> Noah, sometimes you say things and I'm like, oh my God, shut up. And sometimes you say things and it is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Sean Mendes. <laughs> no. Am I closer though in like terms of like age and genre? No. Ed Sheeran. No. Are they a pop artist? Mm, like modern? They're modern, but their style isn't pop, I don't think. Is Are they this like person actually gay in real life? No, but <laughs> no, no, I can't but... say that. No, but like they're Is it either of the members of Daft Punk? No. <laughs> Are they rolling with the LGBT? I don't think he is. Okay, uh, is it Sam Hunt? Why? No. <laughs> like, who's like, okay, I don't... Let's guess the Star Wars character. So the Star Wars character It's is... already an RPF that has Tom Hanks and Barack Obama. Okay, nobody is safe. Nobody's like, off okay, the so table. Oh my God, Charlie Puth in Star Wars? That's crazy. <laughs> is this character... Are they a bounty hunter? No. A clone? No. They're not human and they're not... Uh, are they force sensitive ordinarily? No, but is it Road of the Hut? No, no. I want to hear but. What is the but? But people like to to think this character might be. Is it Jar Jar? <laughs> yeah, it's Jar Jar B. <gasps> okay, so it's Jar Jar and then assorted male celebrity. Okay, has the celebrity ever been in a boy band of any variety? No. Okay, wig. Um. And they're a musician, right? Yeah. And it's another man? Mm-hmm. Is he someone funny? <laughs> Is it like, Macklemore? No, I wouldn't say he's funny can you ordinarily. Tell us what, can you tell us what genre of music we're looking for? Do you know this person well enough to say? Is it John Mayer? <laughs> well, I guess his stuff does kind of include pop, but it's like R&B. Usher. Funk, soul, <laughs> reggae. Disco is it Bruno Mars? Mars? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. 
I was a joke. And the, the tag I left out is, does Bruno Mars is gay? Oh, <laughs> no. I hate it, yeah. POV, the members of Silk Sonic get into a poly. No, I'm so sorry. You know that post that's like, meanwhile, while you guys are getting ghosted, I'm with my 5'5 five, five king. That is Jar Jar. Okay, while we were guessing this, I, I didn't know what it was. And then we said Jar Jar. And then I started to think it might be the Bruno Mars one because someone has sent me this one before. So this, you know, someone sent us this in the form. But someone has also sent this one to me before. So as soon as we guessed Jar Jar, I was like, oh, no. Do you guys ever think me. that there will come a day where we approach singularity where we've covered every weird fic on AO3? No, that's not possible. No, because people will keep creating. But here's the summary. Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord and adoptive father to 68 children with his husband, Bruno Mars. What happens when he brings home a new child? No. Okay, you're, so you're 69 not. was just the number of children. Yeah. It was not like the <laughs> sexual act. Okay. Do, we have any, do we have any concept of how uh, Ms. Barack Obama and Tom Hanks are involved in this? Why'd you just misgender Barack Obama? And, okay, no, 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 no. Ollie, why did you not ask why he, he misgendered Tom Hanks, though? I forgot to say who said the fic that I read. So uh, thanks to Dr. Geekery on Tumblr. So I hope you guys are ready for this fic. Um, it actually has a similarity to Jess's fic, but I'm not going to say how. Um, this one comes from Darth, your mom gay on Tumblr, and there's underscores between all of that. I will also say this is not like a main ship. This is a relationship. This is and. These two are just chatting. Um, let me read you the tags. Uh, character A and character B. Ezra Bridger. Karen Farrow, Hammerly. These two will give it away, so I won't say. Additional tags. Crack treated seriously. Alternate universe. Real world. Sort of. Someone please rescue these peeps. Character B says, bring home our blueberries. A different character who I didn't say, who's not um, in the ship. Has wolf guards. Nobody loves character A as much as character B. Ezra being Ezra. Pyrandi is a firecracker. Seriously, don't stand between this girl and fruit. <laughs> Ezra Bridger and character A, basement edition. Um, is, the, the summary of this is four years after Lothal, <laughs> this is going to give away who character A is, but that's okay. Character A and Ezra are, <laughs> are locked in this other character who I didn't mention's basement. This is a little slice of life. It is inspired, it is inspired thrawn, obviously. by an interview. Yes. And so it's a real person? It is a real person. There's actually, there's two real people in this. David they, Filoni. Dave Filoni is the one who has him trapped in his basement and has wolf guards. But he is not the Fuck. other person. So, is the other person a Star Wars character? So the other person no, the other person's a, a real life person. Is so it this a man is Thrawn or a woman? And a real, no, man. Timothy Zahn. It's Timothy Zahn. It's no. Thrawn and Timothy Zahn, where I believe Timothy Zahn comes and rescues Thrawn and Ezra from Dave Filoni's basement. I am obsessed. This. this is iconic. This is everything. Um, yeah. It is called Life on the ISD Basement. <laughs> and I'm obsessed with it. She's Twitter wrote this. <laughs> anyway, that is my fic. Um, thank you for playing this game with me. Thank you for joining us for our 
High Republic Phase 1 wrap-up. Um, in honor of Mission to Disaster's uh, print release uh, at the end of the High Republic, um, we're giving away a copy of the book and to one lucky winner uh, in the U.S. only. I'm so sorry to our international listeners. Um, you can check out our social media at Repops Pod Race. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook uh, for details on how to enter. Um, because we like to promote Justine Ireland's work here. Our episodes usually drop on Sundays for updates, Star Wars news, more cursed shit. You can follow us on social media at Repops Pod Race, like I said before. And please make sure that you rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, or Overcast. It means a lot to us. Ollie, do you want to give them a little preview of what they're in for next week? I do. Next week is going to be a very special episode. The girls who get it, get it. The beef will be squashed. The beef is going to be ended. And that's all I will say on the matter. Yeah, we have something very special planned for next week. Thank you for joining us. May the force be with you. And don't criff it up. Waka waka. Waka waka. Waka waka. Waka waka. waka.